We're looking for people who have been blessed by this free podcast and our free daily marriage prayer emails and who want to help be a blessing to others. Creating and hosting this podcast and sending out our daily emails do incur a financial cost. And we want to invite you to join our faithful patron team to help financially support these resources so that they can remain free for all who need them. Please join our patron team today and become one of the faithful financial supporters who desires to help bless thousands of marriages around the world. Your support will help us pay for the creation, hosting, and promotion of our podcast and daily emails. Thank you, and we hope to see you become a Marriage After God patron. Marriage is a journey of two individual people navigating and committing to uniting their hearts, minds, and bodies through shared experience. It requires intentionality, pursuit, initiation, endurance, patience, and most of all, it requires unconditional love and amazing grace. Believing in Jesus Christ and following His example in love and grace helps us understand how to embrace each other in marriage. May we continuously choose to abide in Him and remain faithful to each other in marriage. The benefit and blessing is extraordinary. And looking in hindsight after years of marriage paints an incredible portrait of true love. Oh, what a masterpiece we will come to appreciate after decades of color has been applied. Hey, we're Aaron Jennifer Smith, your host of the Marriage After God podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by our faithful patron team who have chosen to help financially support this show monthly. Here's a shout out to some of our most recent patrons. Denetta A, Tishlande V, Craig B, and C. We thank you so much for choosing to partner with us and blessing tens of thousands of couples with free daily prayer emails and this weekly podcast. If you've been blessed by the free Marriage After God content, we'd love to invite you to join our patron team. Please visit marriageaftergod.com forward slash patron. Welcome back to another episode of Marriage After God. We're excited to be here. Welcome back. Welcome back. So we started homeschool this week. I did not start homeschool. You did though. I graduated a long oh. time ago. <laughs> but you did because Aaron and I share the experience. So we do. One day a week, Aaron jumps in with the kids and I leave them a little a little to-do list. A little task list of, of schoolwork. <laughs> so yeah, thanks well, for that. Well one of the cool things I got to do as part of our school was play a board game <laughs> with the kids. I love it. That is school. It was awesome. Math, right? <laughs> yeah. All sorts of different things. <laughs> Logic. Yep. How to win strategy. <laughs> um, we were ta- I was talking with some girlfriends and we were talking about how leading up to the start of another school year, there can be this feeling of overwhelm of just, especially when you're homeschool, like, did I choose the right curriculum? And you're, you feel the weight of responsibility with each child and mm-hmm. their strengths and we- uh, weaknesses and struggle and um, just the rhythm and routine and schedule of everything, you know, trying to figure it's out. A lot. Yeah. And you're like trying to check all these boxes and we were just talking about how like the moment you actually start, there's this sigh of relief, like this exhale that happens where you're like, okay, now we're in it. And then you just go. Me personally, being someone who loves change, um, I'm excited that we had a new, a new transition, a new season. New season started. coming yeah. and fall is right on the corner. I'm not excited about do that. Do you love change? <laughs> I do like change. Really? Okay. I, I, I think I've slowed down on how much I was going to say, I think I used to like change a lot more, but now with the more older people in our family... Change is harder. <laughs> now I just want my grass to be green. <laughs> just the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Well. My actual grass, not my uh, metaphorical grass. Uh, I was Actually, no, I want grass. that to be green too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll say I want all my grasses to be green. All right. Well, um, hey, we're getting ready to head out of here next week. My brother's getting married. My little brother. My youngest brother. Yeah, he's not very young anymore. No. He's getting older. But I'm so excited for him. And I love weddings. So this will be awesome. 
Um, oh, I also wanted to share that our ladies group is going through a new study this season um, by Jen Wilkin. Um, it's called Abide, and it's all about first, second, third John. And I I dived into it this week, and it's really good. Are you guys all taking turns, kind of like sharing on different portions? So there's we're doing person. it's all it's ten week study. So we're going week by week, and we're just gonna there's um, questions that you answer as you go. And so as we get together, we're going to share the discussion oh, that's cool. questions and just share what we're learning about. It's going to be awesome. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. My men's group is going through right now is um, dirt bikes. <laughs> How to ride motorcycles. <laughs> yeah. I went uh, for a 50 mile uh, enduro like rock climbing <laughs> dirt bike trip. We have a handful of guys that are enthusiasts oh, and you guys, they're, they're skilled and they have been in this for arena for life. a while. Yeah. Their whole life. And I've done it twice. <laughs> okay. So. Aaron got home the other day after being gone for, I calculated what, 12 hours, 10, 10, 10 ish hours. And for 30 solid minutes was sharing the highs, the lows. It was the best day of his life. He almost died several times. And he's like, no, I, I constantly felt on like the, Stress. the edge of death, <laughs> the, edge of death. <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> but you seem to really like it. It was fun. So you're going to keep so, doing it? Uh, not Yes. Uh, <laughs> but I need some time between <laughs> going out. <laughs> to calm down. My, my brain and heart uh, recover. So, But that was actually pretty awesome. And it was cool. I went with a lot of guys from church. And, um, a little bonding experience. Yeah, I told them, I was like, guys, the only reason I'm not like dead right now is because we prayed before we left. <laughs> God's keeping me alive right now. Our prayer. I love it. <laughs> it All was right. actually pretty awesome. That's cool. Yeah. I'm glad you got to do that. Um, when I was working on the, um, podcast, making notes, um, for this week's episode, um, I thought it would be really cool to look at certain relationships in the Bible and kind of draw from them. Like, how can we apply this to marriage, the marriage relationship? See if there's any like insights we can just there s- are. pluck out. There's so many that I actually started with 15 and had a pull it down to 10. Otherwise this would be a two, three, four part mm-hmm. series. So disclaimer, we're not necessarily taking each one of these relationships and saying, look, look how this, this perfectly is a applies marriage to yeah. no. It's not a marriage <laughs> teaching. What we're doing is we're, we're just going to take a peek at these relationships and just kind of things that happen in scripture and see if we can yeah. extract. I like, think it'll oh, be that, interesting like, to listen that, to. Yeah, for sure. How does that fit into marriage? Exactly. So please join us on this wild experience of going through scripture. <laughs> There's a lot of scripture. Um, We introed with marriage is a journey of two individual people navigating and committing to uniting their hearts, minds, and bodies through shared experience. Um, I I had this picture of somebody standing still and somebody just bolting, like just running, just running the race, Mm -hmm. going hard and in a straight line continuously. Well, eventually the person who's standing still will not be able to see hear, talk to, or touch that person running Hmm. because the proximity, the proximity, the distance, the space between them grows too much, Mm. right? They're out of sight. Um, and actually it wouldn't take that much time at all for that to happen. Well, yeah. In your analogy, it wouldn't, you're right. For that, for, to make those things impossible. Mm. Um, in order for a shared experience in life, these two people would need to choose to run together. Hmm. And at any point, one chooses not to, they lose that contact. Can I add one little piece to your, your word, your word picture? I'm scared. Yeah. I don't know. No, I, imagine, you know, those, um, exercise bands, those, those big rubber bands. Oh yeah. So it's marriage is more like you have 
the two and there's the band around them. One starts running and the other person's standing still. And the person that's trying to run gets is being, back. <laughs> no, being hindered. And the other person's kind of like dragging, but eventually it's going to get so far and then it's going to snap. Mm. But like the picture is like, if they're running together, that, that they're going to run in tandem. Yeah. They can go anywhere. But if, one, if they're trying to run the opposite direction, that's, that's going to happen even quicker. And there's going to be this like strong tension. That's awesome. Until it eventually breaks and then they were just running freely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So back to if these two people are running together, um, the pace may vary from time to time, like, mm -hmm. you know, a little stretch of distance, a little stretch of, you know, that you can't touch them anymore, but you can still see them. You can still chat all of that. Um, all of that running represents togetherness or like you said, being, being bound together in that row. The, the direction, the, yeah. the path, you're the on. momentum, yeah. uh, regular, regularly running next to each other, um, in thoughts in growth in spirituality and in intimacy in everything. Okay. And togetherness standing still represents an unwillingness, an apathy, uh, or lack of desire to be together. Laziness. Yeah. Not I'm just, yeah. Not try. Yeah. Okay. So I've heard it put this way. There is no, um, standing still. There's only going backwards. Like the moment you stop, you're like sliding. It's like downhill. Like you're, so yeah. you're running uphill. The moment you stop, you're not like standing there. You're yeah. kind of like sliding down um, or backsliding is what mm -hmm. the turn is. So we'll also put the note here, dragging, like you wouldn't be able to drag the, like if you're the person that really wants to run and make efforts and strides to go forward, you can't drag that other person, maybe for a short distance, but you're going to burn out. It's not going to work. Right. So. So really the, the only, <laughs> only option is that you have to run together. Yeah. You have to move together. You, in have, the to same move, you have to run together. Um, yeah. relationships need, need intentionality, pursue initiation, endurance, patience, unconditional love and amazing grace. Like it just, it, it needs all of that and more. Hmm. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. So do you think as we go through some of these stories, 10 of them specifically, we'll be able to see some of these yes. traits? Yes. Yeah. The characteristics exemplified in these people, I think will give us, um, like you said, insight and wi wisdom and things that we can look forward to growing in as a husband and wife. Right. And again, I want to go back to that disclaimer. We're not saying that each one of these stories is like, hey, look at this perfect example of marriage. <laughs> no, we're just, we're sharing stories that are just in the Bible and we're going to try and draw out of them things that we could use for our marriage or, or yep. insights. Yeah. And not all of them are married couples. So yeah, that's exactly. fun too. <laughs> but the first one is, so the first one is about Isaac and Rebecca. We're going back to the Old Testament. So we're going to be in Genesis 24. And this is where um, Abraham is sending out his servant to find a wife from his own lineage, from mm -hmm. his own town um, for his son, Isaac. Yep. And yeah. So the, you want to read? Yeah. Um, so the servant finds Rebecca mm -hmm. and her family agrees to give her hand in marriage and, and then the servant is going to return. Okay. So this is where we're picking up in verse 55, her brother and her mother said, let the young woman remain with us a while, at least 10 days after that, she may go. But he said to them, do not delay me since the Lord has pro prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. They said, let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebecca, their sister and their nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. Yeah, this, 
this is a really awesome scripture where it shows that it's not just this transaction happening totally separate of Rebecca, that there, there's this level of willingness that needs to take place, which is really amazing in scripture. Like she's brave. She's courageous to say, I will go. Yeah. She has no knowledge, but she, she understands that this is a very good thing for her mm-hmm. and her family. So they looked at her and they're like, do you want to go? And she's like, yeah. It reminds me of when we were getting married and, um, you know, you proposed and you shared like all this wonderful stuff about us following the Lord and serving him together. And I told you like, I want to follow you mm-hmm. and I'll go wherever you go. Like that was my heartbeat. That was your I'll, willing heart. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the things that I, I loved so much about you was your willingness mm-hmm. to follow me. And that wasn't the only thing, but that was like, that was like, wow, like you, you don't care what we do now over time. It was like, there was things that were hard. But I had my like, opinions. <laughs> so, but in general, you, you're, you're in your mind was like, I want to just follow you mm-hmm. and like, wherever that is, wherever you are, I want to be there with you. And that's a, a really beautiful thing. And what's awesome about this story is just everything about salvation all throughout scripture, God's heart for, for his people mm-hmm. is yes, he has command. He has his commandments. He has what he desires them to do but he wants willing hearts. And so in marriage, don't we want the same thing? Mm-hmm. Like there's not, there's nothing more loving than a willing heart, not just a reluctant heart. Like, Oh, I'm yeah. going to do these things out of obligation. Yeah. I'm going to do these I know things because I, have, I to. have to. Yeah. Those may be true. Like, yeah, we do have an, I have a, as a husband, I have an obligation mm-hmm. to just love you and protect you and, and, and love you as Christ loves the church and lay my, my life down for you. But do I want to, do you want me to do that out of, out of obligation? Or out of a willingness. A willingness. Well, I like what you said, that she knew what would be good for her. Like there's benefit to marriage. There's benefit to all the things that you're mentioning. And so this uh, being motivated by knowing what's good for you. Like I, mm-hmm. I love that picture. And yeah, she shows it. I want to keep reading. Yeah. So um, continuing on. Um, so Rebecca gets on this camel and she's, <laughs> she's riding and following uh, the servant and so we're picking up here in verse 63. Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening, and he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, who is this man walking in the field to meet us? Okay, I just have to stop right there because <laughs> if this was a Hallmark movie, like this is the climatic scene with gazes of curiosity and attraction and just everything. Like, I just can picture this thing you're, in my you're mind. You're a hopeless romantic. I know. You, you see it that way, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> what, what I like about this on the on the husband side, I mean, this story, pre-husband, right? But it he went out to meditate. And so he's going out to pray and to meditate on the word of God. And mm-hmm. that's what a Jewish man would have been doing. Mm-hmm. That's what meditating means. And so he's out and his mind is not on Where's my wife? Oh, who's my wife? Who's my wife? Yeah. What's going to be, you it's know, he's out med- meditating on the Lord and he's his, and guess what he gets to participate in because he's doing that. He gets to see her for, for the first time as she's, you know, as she's coming at from a distance. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really good. So then it says, uh, the servant said, it is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebecca, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So just a few highlights that we can pull out here. We already talked about Rebecca's willingness, um, but I also want to highlight Isaac's love. He loved her, which is an important aspect of marriage. Like we got to, we got to love people. We got to love. Well, 
Another thing I love about this, just symbolically, so she she veils herself. So he doesn't even see her because she's protecting her her image. She's protecting her purity before this man, before they've been betrothed, before they've, you mm-hmm. know, all the things have become official. I read too in their culture that it was like a symbol of her like betrothal that she she she's was covered. She, yeah. That he would be the one to unveil her. Mm-hmm. He would be the one to 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 see her first. Mm-hmm. And so his love for her wasn't based on her beauty. It wasn't based on how she looked at him, right? Because mm-hmm. she could have had a, a weird face like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> her, his love was based on something totally else, something else. It was something deeper. It was something more. Mm-hmm. And that's what we, as husbands, our love should be um, uh, beyond the physical, beyond the what's right in front of us, mm-hmm. beyond the the mood you're in, beyond the, you know, how we're feeling today. My love, yep. it, it supersedes that. It go, what, there's a word I want to say. It's goes beyond, extends. Uh, I don't know what the word is, but transcends. Yeah, transcends. Thank you. That's it. Transcends that what's immediately in front of us. That's good. I love that. Um, and then just the last thing here, looking at their relationship, which was a very long and lengthy relationship, um, but. It says that Isaac was comforted after his mother's death because he had just gotten married. And I just thought how beautiful that he was comforted by their relationship and this beautiful Mm -hmm. gift of marriage. Um, And so the question for us in looking at their relationship is, are we comforted by each other? Mm -hmm. Do we seek to be comforted by one another? Are we a place of comfort Mm -hmm. for each other? Like when I'm having a hard day or family issues or friend issues or Mm -hmm. um, fears or like, are you a place that I can come to and feel safe Mm -hmm. and comforted and I can mourn with you and be held by you and vice versa that you would feel the same with me? That's so good. So, um... I thought we were done, but we're not done yet. Yeah, this keeps going. a little bit more. (laughs) Okay, so in Genesis 26, we're going to jump ahead. It says, so Isaac settled in, is that Gerar? Gerar. Gerar. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, she's my sister. For he feared to say my wife, thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, because I thought lest I I die because of her. I'm laughing reading this because I'm thinking like, well, first of all, this isn't the first time that we hear of a husband saying she's my sister. Because remember, Abraham did that with Sarah. Yeah, he learned it from his dad. (laughs) Yeah, but um, so he was scared, um, but he was caught laughing with Rebecca. And it's such a small little phrase. But it means a lot because when you think about the intimacy a husband and wife share, where they're comfortable with each other, they feel safe with each other, they they have those inside jokes or mannerisms mm-hmm. that reveal mores under the surface. Like when you can enjoy someone's company and you're laughing mm-hmm. with them, it shows the world that you're together. <laughs> like it's noticeable. Can I go one step deeper on this? So I think you're right. You're, you're focusing on just like this beautiful intimate moment of a husband and wife, yeah. like laughing with each other. Yeah. But the reason Abimelech would know that she was his wife by see, by observing this is because this would have been highly inappropriate for a, a man to do with any woman that's not his wife or his sister. 
any any woman. So like like you're saying in their culture in, in their, their context. Yeah. So yeah. but again, this this level of intimacy where you're having this like this close flirtatious laughy. Yeah. The countenance says it all. Husbands listening, do you have relationships like this with girls that are not your wife? Ooh. Are you like this friendly laughter, like <laughs> like close playfulness, playful, yeah. uh, intimate friendship style, like jo- like you? That's something that should be reserved mm. for your wife. That's special. Abimelech recognized that Sarah was I. That was uh, Rebecca, Rebecca was, was <laughs> Isaac's wife because this engagement, this ina- yeah. interaction. That was, it wouldn't have made sense in any other context. Mm. But yet, are you having this context where you're like, oh yeah, I have that relationship with my wife and I have it also with this girl at my gym and I also have it with this girl at my work. And mm. That's a good point. Yeah. Shouldn't be, it shouldn't be that way. It should be re- so recognizable that, oh wow, he has a really unique relationship with his wife that yeah. he doesn't have with any other woman. It's special. Yeah. Um, so then the other question is like, are you a marriage where you guys are enjoying each other? Does your countenance say it all? Do you have interactions with each other that is full of joy? Mm, intimate. Intimate, laughing, yeah. shows unity. These are things to think about. Um, okay, and then in Genesis 27, 14, um, there's another little tiny phrase that that highlights their relationship that we caught, and I mm. thought it was worthy to talk about. Because it involves food. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, Genesis 27, verse 14. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother. And his mother prepared delicious food, such as his father loved. So the mother is Rebecca. This is as they're older. Mm. And yeah, it says that she prepared delicious food, such as his father loved, which means that it wasn't a one-off. It wasn't like the one time she ever cooked for him and he thought it was delicious. Such as his father loved mean that it happened often. And she used it as a way of blessing her husband. He enjoyed himself. And this could be either something that he's always loved and she now makes it for him because he loves it or something she makes he loves. But either right. way, either way, this is a situation where it's like they, they have this symbiotic, like she, she has something that she makes for him and he enjoys. Yeah. And, it's a blessing. And she does it because he loves it mm-hmm. and he loves it. I don't know. There's, that's a really cool. Has there ever been anything that I've made specifically food that you've enjoyed? Oh, almost all your cooking. Oh, you sweet. Especially as we got older, like early on in our marriage, we both, neither of us knew how to cook anything. <laughs> um, and we had lots of funny mistakes, but and no, I think over time I've tried a handful of times to pick things that I think you would enjoy that I necessarily yeah. wouldn't that we've been pretty creative in our culinary journey <laughs> endeavors we've even made some, we've made some really bad things and we end up scratching and then we'll jump get and get pizza, pizza <laughs> <laughs> but i also enjoy those we like to experiment yeah yeah anyways the note here is just that we should be couples who cook for each other yeah when well, you also Real light here, note. she she blesses him yeah because she knows that lo- he loves it yeah like she's doing something that he knows he loves yeah you know and we and husbands can do the same do you, are you creating something doing something because you know she she loves it. Like the other night I was like, do you want to watch a old, mo- old, you know, love story? And you're like, what? <laughs> and then you fell asleep okay. <laughs> and I finished the whole thing, but I, watched it I did it because you love it. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. There was a song playing in the, in the, in this morning it was um by Google, Doll, Google dolls. Oh yeah. And I was like, we just watched this movie. <laughs> Anyways, it brought me back all the way to the nineties. That's funny. Okay, number two. This is that was a good one, but a long one. But we're on number two. This is a little bit shorter. 
So this is about Jonathan and David. So King David and Jonathan, who is the son of King Saul. Which when, when they met, he wasn't King David yet. He was he just was a young man. anointed king, but he was not king. Yeah. Yes. So King Saul was still king. Jonathan was his son. First Samuel 18. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul... The soul Sorry, I said Saul and then Saul. (laughs) Speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Okay, so the obvious big monster character uh, treat here is that these guys were, these guys loved each other and they... They had a deep... Had a deep friendship. relationship. It says that they were knit together, like... Their souls were knit together. Yeah, which is, I don't think there's any other relationship in scripture that that's, talks this way. It reminds me of um, in Romans 8, 38 and 39, it says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hmm. That's that's a good verse to put to this. Well, it reminds me because it says that they're knit together. And when you think about their their friendship, like they were mm-hmm. loyal till the end. Yeah. And and what I love about this also is there's, especially in marriage, about like, like roles and mm-hmm. order. I mean, the Bible is very clear about order and roles and what God's designed things to look like. And you see something really incredible happening here. This is uh, Jonathan who is heir to be king by, by blood. Saul's king. And so Jonathan would be king next, Mm -hmm. but Jonathan is recognizing something that is so beyond what he should be. He's recognizing that no God has chosen David to be king. So he's, he over his loyalty and his, his blood relation to, to his dad, to the king, to King Saul, he's choosing to out of love for, the true king, David, to take off his garments and his sword and all things that would signify him as royalty mm-hmm. and gives it to David. And so he's what he's doing is he's putting himself in the proper place out of love, out of out of um, submission, out of um, recognizing what God has, has done. Mm-hmm. But he's doing it out of love. Again, going back to that willingness yeah. thing. He's not doing it like, oh, this is, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fearful. I'm going to... No, he, he loves David and he's like, I'm here you go. Well, and as you're describing it, it makes me think that Jonathan saw David as God saw him. And mm-hmm. I think so often when in marriage, we see each other through the flesh and we see weaknesses, we see failure, we see faults, we see you're getting in my way. We see you're not doing it how I do it. We see like all, mm-hmm. all the negative and we have to fight our flesh Um in order to see the person we married as God sees them. Another aspect to that, by the way, that's really good, um, is is choosing to, when there's situations where we could in all rights, everything we can see situationally and logistically, like here's 
what I deserve. Hmm. Like in, in this situation, Jonathan deserved the throne next, but he's not even considering that, which reminds me of the scripture where it says, Jesus, though equal with God, did not count equality with God as something to grasp. He laid down not his godhood, but his pursuit of that. Mm-hmm. He's, he instead became a servant. And you see Jonathan doing this, the very same thing to David. And so sometimes in our marriage, we can, one of us could have like, no, I have this right to something. And yet we can say, I'm going to lay this down out of my love for you. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. What I think I have a right to. Sacrificial love. Yeah. I love that. Um, the last note I just want to pull out is as, as we were reading um, that Jonathan stripped himself of the robe and, and also his armor and sword and bow and belt. Mm-hmm. Like Jonathan was generous. That's a character trait That's that I, yeah. I think that every couple should strive to have is, are you a generous person to your spouse? Not only do you give them the one thing, but you give them the four other things too. Hmm. with purpose. Like those were important things that he gave David in order to be equipped to go out. And it ended up helping him fulfill the role of, of being set over the men of war. Hmm. And so how are we being generous to our spouse in a way that helps them fulfill their, their role and purpose that God's given them? Hmm. What One more thing I think about in this idea of Jonathan giving David his like, what, what would you, when you would see Jonathan, and you would see what he's wearing in his sword and all these things that those would be Jonathan's things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so are we, is there, are we going out with things on us that are shining at us that represent our spouse? Like when David would go out to war, Jonathan was represented. There David. was something familiar about Jonathan on him somewhere. Well, yeah. what David was fighting with was mm-hmm. Jonathan's sword. What David mm-hmm. was wearing was his armor. What David was. So, there's this like connection, connection of yeah. I'm sending you out For with us. bits of me. Yeah. You're, you're sending me out with bits of you. Like we, we have each other's essence on our, on each which other. it says they yeah. are knit together soul for soul. So it makes sense yeah. too, even down to their insides. <laughs> That's really good. Everyone listening is probably like, how are we, how are they pulling all of this out? <laughs> Jonathan David for marriage? That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I do want to make one, one little note. Um, we don't have to read it, but in second Samuel nine, it talks about, cause Jonathan mm. passes away, Yeah. but David's love for him never fades. And in fact, he ends up taking care of Jonathan's son. Yeah. And I think it's such a beautiful picture of how we can leave a legacy through our influence and impact in someone's life, especially our spouse's life. Um, when there's that love and that loyalty and that generosity and that I love you till death mentality, incredible things can happen even after that relationship has ended. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Why don't you talk about this one? So number three would be Ruth and her mother-in-law. Um, this is a really beautiful picture of faithfulness. So um, just to save on time, we don't have to read the whole thing, but um, Naomi had two sons. They were both married. Both men died, as well as Naomi's husband. And so she was going to head back to Judah as a widow. Mm-hmm. And she basically tells her two daughter-in-laws, go return to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. 
And so she's like giving them permission, like, please go. (laughs) So picking up in Ruth 1, verse 14, it says, Then they, the two daughter-in-laws, lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So this is after a conversation of her trying to plead with them, like, you you go, go back to where I'm yeah go, go be to free my home you go to your yeah house. and they're saying no we want to stay with you and she's like I can't provide anything for you I don't have any more sons for you okay so um so Ruth clung to her so just we're highlighting that word clung to her we'll come hmm. back to it in a minute and she said see your sister in law has gone back to her people and to her gods return after your sister in law but Ruth said do not urge me to leave you or to return fr- from following you for where you go i will go and where you lodge i will lodge your people shall be my people and your god my god where you die i will die and there i will be buried may the lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. (laughs) So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. Hmm. Okay. So first of all, we do want to talk about marriage, but first of all, like this is a relationship between um, a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law. And in marriage, we have those extra relationships. Which is pretty unique. Would oh, this be sure. like the only time in history that no. this has happened? But I, <laughs> but I, I think that sometimes in-laws can present challenge or, or, mm. um, you know, like not every relationship is smooth and there's learning, there's a learning curve involved, which is why I'm bringing it up because I think it's a really beautiful picture of how we can rely on our in-laws and love them and, um, have a relationship with them that that matters. Yeah, I think. not necessarily a template, you know, based off. This how isn't. She responded, the, yeah, this isn't like a formula, but it's going. It's pointing out that this is an important relationship to have, and mm-hmm. and I just love that Ruth was that way with her, and so we can all look to Ruth's example and say, "Hey, our in laws are important, and how can we love them?" Yeah, love you know? them well. Yeah. Um, okay, and so I said we were going to talk about clinging. So. Ruth clung to her mother-in-law. So in relation, in the relationship of marriage, a husband and wife cling to each other, mm-hmm. right? Yep. They cleave their parents and no, they are leave one. their parents and cleave. Oh, sorry. They yeah. leave their parents and cleave to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I love the part where she says, may the Lord do to me and more also, if anything, but death parts me from you. And I think that till death to us the majority of people, when they are at the altar say till death, do we part to till death, do we part? Uh, but how often does that promise come to be fulfilled? I mean, there's... Yeah, well, nowadays, a lot less. A lot less. So the question is, do we cling to each other in this way of reliance and security and love and being determined to do so? Yeah, do we have the same mentality that uh, Ruth is having with Naomi where she sees Naomi as as her home? Yeah. Do you see your spouse as your your home mm-hmm. and and yourself? Like, you're, there is no separation from that. There is no like, well, just not happy anymore. Let's move on. Ruth was looking at this as like, if I leave, like, I don't like, where am I going to go to? Like, what else is there? I have nothing. And if we have this mentality of like, oh, there's always this other option. There's always this escape plan. There's always this. That's not what Ruth had. Mm -hmm. Like Ruth was married. She was betrothed to Naomi's son. Her son died. There are no more sons. (laughs) So Ruth's literally starting from scratch in her life and who is, and now she's a widow, Mm -hmm. which puts her in a whole nother category. So this mentality of, of this marriage is, 
is my marriage. This is my home. And this till, till death do us part mentality is reality for us. We're going to make it work. So good. So we're going to um, move on, but we're still talking about Ruth. We're just going to move on to Ruth and Boaz and this picture of redemption. Um, so this is uh, Ruth 2. Guys, I wish I could read the whole thing because Ruth is so good. And I love the picture of Christ in their relationship, which we're not getting into right now, but it's just so, so good. So Ruth goes to glean in a field. And, um, she, so it's Bo- Boaz's field. And I love that Boaz spots her. And this is what he says, starting in verse five, Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please Let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered, answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Mm. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Well, (laughs) yeah. One thing that really stood out to me is she was recognized by her loyalty and her um, dedication and her purity and like he he recognizes like I, i've heard everything that you've been through and how you followed naomi and how you've you know you're you've you've you're here mm-hmm. you know and those are those are amazing things for a woman to have like that loyalty that respect that honor that hard work that all those things and he he recognized those things he it, her reputation preceded her and you read about it in Proverbs 31 and you read about it in a bunch of other Proverbs. You can tell he thought highly of her just from that interaction. Yeah. Be, without ever meeting her, he had, her, his opinion of her was high mm-hmm. because of her behavior. Her, her choices. Her choices. How she walked. Her way of thinking. Yeah. I love that. And I also love what stood out to me was just how Boaz looked out for her and told her that he was, that she should go in no other field, that if she's thirsty, go and drink that the men will draw for you. Like he looked out for her and I love that. And more than that, he, he says, it says that you have comforted me and spoken kindly to me. Like what a place and position for a woman who just went through this tragedy and is now, you know, working to stay alive. And And she is a foreigner. And she is a foreigner, (laughs) so she doesn't feel deserving of anything. And here he's spoiling her and he's speaking kindly to her. Like what a beautiful picture of we can pull from this for our own marriage of what it means to, like you said, Mm -hmm. think highly of one another, to admire one another, to speak kindly to one another, to Mm -hmm. go the lengths to care for one another. Like are all your needs being met 
Is is am I? Is there anything that I'm not thinking of? Like, is there any yeah, way? Emotionally, spiritually, <laughs> physically. Yeah. Uh, what I also love is he's he's protecting her, caring for her, mm-hmm. going out of his way to arrange things for her. But one thing that's really special is it talks about how she's there amongst the other servants. Mm-hmm. She's there gleaning with the, the, like there's other people gleaning also. It's not just her. Yeah. And he goes and singles her out Yeah. to speak to her. Now imagine all of the other women that are gleaning because it was the women that would glean. Mm-hmm. They would go and they would pick up all the extras that would drop because there was a law that said if you were cutting it and certain things fell to not pick them up. Mm-hmm. And you had to, so it was, there was a process that God put in, uh, in place to bless the poor when, when you had a field of grain. And so all the women are gleaning, but he goes to her. This goes back to what I was talking about earlier about that uniqueness of relationship. He's singling her out. He's treating her in a special, unique way that would probably make all of the other women jealous. Mm-hmm. He's not doing this to all the ladies, just her. And that's how we should be as husbands, that there's a certain way that I treat you mm-hmm. that's special to you. Mm-hmm. I don't treat everyone that way. I don't go out of my way to uh, treat you know some woman over there in a special way. I treat you special. Mm-hmm. I single you out in a way that make, should make every other woman jealous. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I'm trying to make women jealous, but <laughs> they would see like, wow, he treats her so good. Yeah. Wow. He s- speaks so kindly to her. Wow. He, he spoils her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's what, what, don't you want that? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Me and my romantic. I'll start working on that. <laughs> <Heart>. <laughs> no, it's good. Um, okay. Uh, the last little note I have on here is just the word compassion just that like when he acknowledges that she's been through tragedy and he's heard everything that she's been through and here she is, he has compassion for her situation mm-hmm. and for what she's, for what she's going through. And you can kind of hear that through their interactions. Um, so yeah, mm. pretty cool. I love that story. We should do a whole episode on that story. Did we already? We might have. We might have. I might have to look for that. Long time ago, probably. <laughs> Okay, so here's the thing, you guys. We started out with telling you that we had 10 relationships in the Bible, and we've only gotten through four. And we, Aaron, I think we have to break this up into two episodes. Episodes. So we'll do, we'll do this fifth one, and then next episode, you'll get the other five. Okay, so let's do that. Okay, so number five is Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abed, Abednego. Hmm. Do you know that's not their real names? Yeah. It says in the beginning of Daniel that they, I don't know their, their names were yeah, changed. Changed. These are their Babylonian names, right? Yep. So in Daniel 1, um, starting in verse 14, it says, So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for... Okay, so sorry, I should probably explain what's happening. Um, so Daniel and these three friends are taken from Bab- Babylon as young boys. T- taken from Israel. Or sorry, taken to Babylon. To Babylon. And... Names are changed, and then um, they're given like their food and their way of culture and things like that. And Daniel basically says, "Hey, we just want to eat vegetables. We're not going to eat your stuff. We're not going to eat your stuff." <laughs> and they're like, "What? Like this is crazy." And he even challenges them and said, "Just test us for ten days, and then see what happens." Yeah, if we look better than the rest of your these servants, you'll know right. we're, we're right. <laughs> okay, so this is where we're picking up. Uh, 
And in verse, verse 14, it says, So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. Now, this is not a endorsement of a vegetarian fruit nut diet. <laughs> well, there is something called the Daniel fast where it explains like... It's a fast what though, to do. I know. temporary. Well, but this- in this situation, it it was God showing that they were set apart. Set apart, Which yeah. is really cool. Um, and by the way, I was just making a joke about <clears throat> I the know, diet I know. <laughs> So what we're going to pull out from this one is that these friends, these relationships, these people who went through something hard of being taken from their homeland and now they're in this new place and new culture, they were tested together. And how often in marriage are we tested together? (laughs) Like we go through circumstances, we go through challenges, we go Mm -hmm. through hardships, we go through difficult things. And we get to experience it together. Together. And maybe some last for 10 days, maybe sometimes it lasts a lot longer. Maybe for some it's just a day or half a day. I don't know. Can I, I want to say this, this test though is on a a different level, not just in our marriage. We do go through things like we we go through trials and we're tested, right? But they're being tested on something they believe. Mm -hmm. They said, Hey, this is what we believe. Test us on it and see if we're wrong. See if our, our way of, see if our way of thinking, our way of believing is, is uh, true. So the question is, do are we confident as a couple that we can be tested in an area of what we believe to be true? Yeah, and this this okay. actually happens. So just going back to, you know, we say we love each other. Mm-hmm. Well, do we? Do we love each other? That should be something that should be t- um, test proven. And and we can come on the other side like, oh, yeah, we do love each other. <laughs> and so when the, those hard things that come between us, are we going to come on the other side of it? Uh, you know, fatter in flesh and uh, looking better than mm. all the others, or are we going to look emaciated and, you know, dying? No, we are, are the things that we believe and say in our marriage, we should be able to be tested on those things. That's good. And come out on the other side looking better. That's good. Um, so I just want to point out that, that what they were being tested in was a lot different than the culture that they were immersed in when it was taking place, I would imagine that they'd have to support each other through that 10 days and like what they were choosing. But the point is, is that they were on the same page. Like they collectively said, test us. Mm -hmm. Right. And they did it. We're doing that. There was no way doing it. There was no like, are you sure Daniel? So are you sure you want to do this? (laughs) So in what Aaron's talking about, are we confident as a couple to be tested in what we believe to be true? Are, Are we, I guess there's another question that says, are we on the same page in that? Um, okay, so moving on in verse 17, it says, As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So mm. the reason that I wanted to highlight this one is because I can imagine them learning together and gaining skill side by side. Yeah. And whatever their day-to-day look like. Growing. They were growing knowledge. together yeah. in, in knowledge and in these things, um, in their interactions and what they were doing. Well, you know how we in our our book Marriage After God we talk about the tool belt. Yep. Um, and and the the Bible says that the Spirit distributes gifts mm-hmm. to His people mm-hmm. as He sees fit according to our faith, and it says it in various different ways in in the New Testament. But um, God does this in our marriages. Like uh, individually, we have gifts and talents. Right. Like Daniel got visions and dreams, yeah. but the others had all of. But it said all four of them were given learning and skill and literature and wisdom, and so. Though we might have unique 
attributes, unique giftings, unique um, dispositions. Mm -hmm. But we together have a unique calling mm -hmm. that God is pouring into us and that God wants to see us use in this culture, in this situation in Babylon, which is a type of the world. We talked about this on Sunday, yeah. typology, that this image of Babylon was they, they were taken from their home and put in this land that's not their own. Mm -hmm. That's like the world. We, we live in this world. And as a couple, God's given us gifts individually and together mm -hmm. to be used in Babylon, to be used in this world, to shine. Daniel's, we're going to go, you know, you go on in the rest of this book and Daniel's, you know, interpreting visions and dreams. And, and then you also see stuff that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are doing mm -hmm. to glorify yep. God, to stand out, yep. you know, while everyone's bowing, they're standing when they're thrown in the furnace, not even smoke touches them. So that's what our marriages are in this world. They're a light. They're, they're, uh, they're a ministry for God. Mm -hmm. Just like these four youths were a ministry in this place and a hard time away from their true home. Amen. Yeah. Preach it, Aaron. <laughs> that was so good. Yeah. You said that, um, to stand out around, among the rest. And in verse 19, it actually says, and the King spoke with them and among all of them, none was found like them. None. So you listening, husbands and wives, <laughs> none is found like you. Don't be trying to be like other people. <laughs> Don't be, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. Be you. Be what God has, where you, God has you. Build what God's given you. Mm -hmm. uh, chase what God's put in front of you. Like don't don't worry yeah. about in in a sense of trying to be like yeah. other marriages, other couples. Be like who God's made you to be for him. So good. Um, something I want to point out with just the three, not necessarily Daniel. And Aaron, you already brought it up, but in um, when they were in the fiery furnace, mm -hmm. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, this is Daniel 3, verse 16, says, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not... Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I just want to point out that these three guys were willing to suffer together for the right thing. For truth. Yeah. For they God. were willing to go there. Like I, I can, I could imagine that for most people, like that would be a really scary situation. Maybe they were even scared, mm. but they knew what was important. And so. So I, if your husband is trying to do the right thing, but it's going to cause pain for the family. Like there's a cost involved. The Are you willing to suffer together? Submit to that and say, I'm going to suffer with you because this is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Let's don't, don't do the wrong thing so we can avoid the pain. We're willing to go with, through the pain with you because it's would the you right say thing. vice versa too? If the yes. wife is sharing about something that she needs she, to do, she or needs to do what they need to, to do. Or, yeah. yeah. Is the husband willing to suffer with her? I love that. I think it's really powerful. Um, in verse 27, it says that they saw that the fire had not ha had not had any power over the bodies of those men. But then it continues. It could have just stopped right there, but then they continued on with detail. It says the hair of their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed and no smell of fire had come upon them. Yeah, they didn't not even the smell of smoke, which we all know smoke sticks to everything. Um, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God except their own. Okay, so they trusted God together. They believed together. They suffered together. 
they came out shining <laughs> and served God together. Um, and their, their impact in that time and place was huge. Yeah. It brought, it brought glory to God because they, no matter what was going to happen, they would not, yield, they yielded up their bodies rather than their, their allegiance. Yeah. And that's what we need to do up in our marriage mm-hmm. that our, our homes, our cars, our bank accounts, nothing is more important than our allegiance to Christ, than our, our, our worship of him. Mm-hmm. We're not going to bow down to idols. We're not going to bow down to the world. We're not going to bow down to the systems. We're going to serve him and, and stand for him, even if it means losing life and and money or jobs or food or anything. Nothing's going to change that allegiance. All right, you guys. So as explained, we're going to stop right here and we're going to pick up in part two of 10 relationships from the Bible that can inspire our marriage. And those, the rest of them I think are in the new Testament. So that was actually really perfect. Oh, cool. Cool. Okay. So, um, at the end of every episode, we always encourage you guys with a growth spurt. We've been doing this all year. Uh, this month we are going to be focusing on falling for each other all over again. Reimagine that first date or, you know, those first few dates, um, of your relationship when you're dating or marriage and recreate it. Interesting. Do something that has to do with a part of it. You know? I would imagine that's probably going to be hard for some people, especially if they had some like incredible <laughs> first date. <laughs> like a travel destination. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. Well, you can still <laughs> or a recreate. restaurant that doesn't op- isn't open anymore. Okay, like if you went to Italy for some reason, because that was just what a date, right? You can still have that's Italian a, dinner. There you go. Okay, so. Little Italy somewhere. There you go. Yeah. That's just one idea. Do you remember anything from our first date? You, so the moment you said this, I was like. <laughs> Oh no, I don't remember. Because everyone knows that listens to this podcast for any length of time. I don't have a good long-term memory. So we just talked about this when we talked about remembering. What was our first date? Um, I think we did, there was a lot of like food courts at the mall. Because we liked walking around the mall. That was the thing we did. We grew up in California. That's a good memory. I remember us walking around the mall. And then movies. We did a lot of movies. One of the first, like the, the first date. After I saw you at that birthday party and you were delivering pizza. Was it roller skating? No. No. Um, you called me and you invited me to the movies. But first we went to Krispy Kreme and we got oh, donuts. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Krispy Kreme donuts. Because <laughs> it was right by the movie theater. <laughs> I think the hot fresh line was on too. Oh, that means we got so a free So we get donut. to go get donuts. <laughs> That's kind of fun, actually. I'm looking forward to this. Wow, that was a long time of sharing that growth spurt. But there That's it is. Okay. Fall for each other all over again. Reimagine a first date. Why don't you pray for us? Dear Lord, thank you for your holy word. Thank you for the accounts and scripture of these relationships and how we can apply their character and behavior to our own marriage. We pray we can glean from the wisdom and grow as a couple in you. Help us to encourage each other to draw from the Bible the way we should treat one another. We pray we would walk humbly with each other every single day. May your gospel be shared through the way we love each other. In Jesus' name, amen.
We're looking for people who have been blessed by this free podcast and our free daily marriage prayer emails and who want to help be a blessing to others. Creating and hosting this podcast and sending out our daily emails do incur a financial cost. And we want to invite you to join our faithful patron team to help financially support these resources so that they can remain free for all who need them. Please join our patron team today and become one of the faithful financial supporters who desires to help bless thousands of marriages around the world. Your support will help us pay for the creation, hosting, and promotion of our podcast and daily emails. Thank you, and we hope to see you become a Marriage After God patron.